Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. You know, uh, I was figuring today, just, you know, I've been saved for um, 52 years, I think that's right. And uh, I didn't start tithing when I st- first fell in love with Jesus. I didn't know anything about that. I, 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 I wasn't going to church. I was a drug addict and a drug dealer. And that's all I thought about doing with my life for three years. And that's what I did. And I didn't care what anybody thought about it. And I don't care what anybody thinks about what I do now for Jesus. So just so you know that. <laughs> but it's just, uh, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful time with him. And I'm going to going to tell some stories and I'm going to do some other things here in just a minute. But I'm going to teach about prosperity. Pastor Dorden, my son, he asked me if I'd take this service and preach about prosperity. Now, when I quit pastoring, didn't quit pastoring, God moved me from that office to the office of the prophet and I had to obey him or I was going to be buried in two years. That's what he told me because I couldn't do both anymore. I'd done that for a long time in my life. I've been traveling overseas, been traveling in the States for 35, 40 years now. But he said, you're not going to be alive if you wait two more years, so pay attention to me. I said, okay, I'm with you. So we did that, and I'm looking for my other sheet here. I think it got caught up with something. Hallelujah. But I'm just excited to be here with you tonight and be here, and I want to talk to you. I think before I quit pastoring, though, I took a long, a long time to teach on finances. I think I taught almost 15 lessons. I taught about, you know, how to take care of your pastor, which is the number one priority you should have. Number one would be tithing, period. So let me just explain that. That's 10% of whatever you have. Yes, sir. You know, and if you have to ask me if you do it on the net or the, uh, the net or the, what's the other one? Gross. Gross, then you're not even in the right church. Right. I quit tithing years ago. I went to tithing and offerings about 40, about 50 years ago. Because I've been, I've been tithing for 52 years. I just figured it up today. So I didn't start doing that immediately because I didn't know to. That's a cop-out maybe, but I just, just being honest with you, I'd scramble my brain with drugs, and uh, I just wasn't thinking, and I was in a Baptist church. I know some of them teach on finances. I doubt they teach what we teach here. I'd be surprised if they did. But anyway, we teach a lot of things about finances and stuff. But this is the thing I want to say to you. I've only got one maybe an hour, an hour and 10 minutes with you tonight. If you pay attention, you can either join the, you join the club with me and just obey God the rest of your life in your finances, and he will take care of you. I've proven you. i got 50-some years of experience already, and he's never let me down. Never let me down. Yeah, 50 years of tithing. I remember one time my wife was pregnant with, my daughter's not here tonight, but She's 42, I think. She wouldn't appreciate me saying that, but I'm going to. And uh, all we had was some peanut butter and popcorn. It's first baby and first, first time we're having a baby, you know, me and my wife. And she's reading all the books and, and things, and I am too, and she's getting to feel that she doesn't have enough protein for the child. And she said, honey, we don't have any groceries. And I said, well, I know we don't right now, but let's just take a drive. I already lived in the country. I lived in Otisco. That is the country if you don't ever been there. There's not even a stoplight in that city. But anyway, I said, let's really go out in the country. So I took her for a ride for an hour. Didn't tell anybody I needed anything. Didn't call anybody. Oh, I don't want the money. I need some groceries. 
See, I don't do stupid stuff like that, even when I didn't know much better. That's a long time back. That's 19, I was in that church from 1978 to 1982. But when I came back home, there was eight bags of groceries on my front porch. I don't know who put them there. Don't care. I'm just thankful. We had a party that night and a couple nights. <laughs> just being able to eat something like that. So I, I'm just hitting some highlights with you, if I could say it that way. Hitting some highlights with you to um, talk to you about some things. First of all, let me say, say this here. You know, your words brings God's supply to your need. See, you, know, you might be tithing, but if you're not talking, you're not tithing. Even if you gave 10%. I want you to listen to me. I'm saying some one-liners here that will set you free if you're really paying attention. If you're not talking about your finances, you're not getting any. I don't care if you tithe or give your whole paycheck. That's not what the Bible teaches. You have to believe it in your heart. That's number one. But number two goes with it. Say it with your mouth. So if you don't say anything, nothing's happening. In what area? In any area of your life. You're only going to have what you say and believe, and you're not, you're not going to believe it the first time you say it, because I've already been there. Now that I'm a little more established in God, I realize I have to say it if I want it. And I'm not talking about making up something stupid, you know, like some people, some people I knew even had phone messages, I'm a God-made billionaire. You can't even pay rent, brother. What are you talking about? That's stupidity. But God will take care of us in an abundance. You know, the Bible says a faithful man or a faithful person, a faithful woman shall abound with the blessings of God. Now, if you're abounding in something, that's not just barely getting along. So I'm asking everybody in this place that you think you're tithing or you really are tithing and you're talking about it to God about it and you're giving it freely and you're willing to do it and excited to do it, then you can step into another realm once you start doing that. And then I start giving offerings on top of that about two years into that. So, you know, I'm just talking, just talking to you a minute here. We need to focus on God's unlimited supply every day, not how am I going to make it and wringing your hands and being all worry, worried. You know, because you're worried sometimes, that's why you're not being taken care of too. I'm going to talk about that in depth in a minute. Don't become money-minded, Brother Hagin said, but be ministry-minded. That's the way I live. I'm, I'm living for the ministry to help this church be supported, not just with the tithe, but much more over that. I'm not going to tell you because you'd think I was bragging about it. But I just know what I give here, just to this church, plus all the other churches I help. Just talking. You know, if you want to, see, if you want to get finances from God, he expects you to want to be a blessing or just forget it. That's right. I mean, how many cars can you own? I mean, how many trips can you take just for yourself? Nothing wrong with taking a trip for yourself, if they are and are something about God blesses us to be a blessing. That's the motivation. That's in Genesis 12. I don't know if I'll be able to take you to every verse I got because I sure got a lot. But I wanted you to know that. Yes, Brother Hagin made this comment. The Lord said this to me, which is not just for my benefit. This Brother Hagin, I'm, I'm reading what he said about it. He was having a vision. Jesus was talking to him. If you will learn to follow that inward witness, I will make you rich. See, he didn't, say, he didn't say just follow tithing. He said, follow that inward witness down here. 
I was given 20% of my income in 1976 when I was a pastor, and I barely made enough to eat myself. And God said, I wish you'd quit doing that. Don't quit giving more than your tithe, but you haven't sought me about it re recently, Michael, and that's why it's all stuck, stopped up. That's a big comment to you if you're listening. You can just get in the habit of giving your tithe, and you're not even thinking. You're just like, you know, paying an electric bill. <laughs> that ain't going to get you more electricity with God either just because you plunk it in the bucket. I mean, God appreciates money. I sure appreciate it. He don't need it. But we need it to pay bills and build buildings and get whatever we need for the church. Yes. Hallelujah. Okay. The Lord said, if you'll learn to follow that inward witness, and I did. I stopped immediately and then prayed about it and then gave the 10% to other ministries as the Lord instructed me over the next several years. He says, I will guide you in all the affairs of life financially as well as spiritually. I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to their being covetous. See, if you're money hungry and you think that's a stamp of approval because you have a couple things or you think that makes you somebody, that's not even a spiritual thought. That's a very carnal thought. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that it's just really, really nice. I'm not opposed to my children being rich. See, money doesn't have me because I'm, I'm a giver. Do you ever ask God if you're obedient in that area? I have. He said, in that area, you've never disobeyed me, Michael. Right. Told me that about 10 years ago. Said, now in other areas, you've disobeyed me and got in trouble, didn't you? I said, I sure did. <laughs> and I repented for all those mistakes and disobediences and things like that. Don't stand there and look at me like I'm the only guy here. <laughs> yeah, and I kept my heart right, though I wasn't living right every, every day in every capacity. I hope you're not shocked. I'm doing a lot better at it now than I was. Okay, in, in the vision, Jesus told Kenneth E. Hagin to watch out for two things. Always give me and my name all the glory. Number two, be careful your attitude towards money. Many of my servants on whom I placed my spirit became money-minded and lost the anointing. See, that's something I never did. I never made arrangements with any person on this planet to go to their church, even when I had to pay... 13, 18, 10,000 to get there on a plane. And, and, I, and I, didn't, I didn't make them pay the, the, the fee for that. I just ate it and believed God that he'd take care of me. I'm not bragging. I'm just talking about some truth here. Listen to me a minute. We've got to be integrous about things. And, you know, of course, preachers are kind of poor-minded, typically, in my opinion. I've been a preacher for a long, long time. And I've been around a lot of preachers for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. So he just said, don't become money-minded and lose the anointing. You lose it. And one other thing he said, I think, and I'm going to get into some other scriptures with you. If you talk about the lack of money, it'll keep it from coming in. You know, when you say, I can't do that, I don't know how to make that work, you're just digging a hole for yourself to tumble into. You've got to learn to talk right about everything. And that's not done in the overnight, in a month, in a year. I've been at this for... A long time, since 1971 is when I got saved. 1973 is when I started tithing. I'd like to tell you I tithed all the way through, but I'd be lying about it, so I'm not going to say that. But, you know, when we found out we needed to do it, Pastor and I made a decision to do that, and I was laid off at the time as a carpenter. I wasn't a journeyman yet. I was an apprentice, and they only gave me $40 a week. 
And so I, we just got in the car, and I said, I think we need to do this immediately because we're dealing with me about this. See, I'd never heard much about tithes, and I went to a little seminar, and some guy got up and talked out of Malachi, of all places. Malachi's a good book. It's Old Testament, but the book, tithing's in the New Testament. It's in the book of Hebrews, for goodness sake. You know what I think about Hebrews? Yeah, yeah it's really good. Yeah. It's got about everything in it you could ever live in. All right. Anyway. Yeah, Brother Hagin made this comment. I'm going to just read you a couple of things that just stuck out to me. There's all kinds of stuff I could say. This is, these are my notes when I get to it in a minute. Probably won't get to all that tonight either, but I think it's going to help us. He said, some of the greatest financial miracles I've had, Brother Kenneth E. Hagin, came after a period of speaking in other tongues. Now, I don't know about you. I'm just going to say this. I don't think any of you have figured that out in your brain, right. including me. But because I trust Brother Hagin and his relationship with Jesus that he had as a man of God, as a, <laughs> a prophet of God too, and a great teacher, that means something to me. So sometimes you don't put all everything together. How would speaking in tongues do that? I don't know exactly. I just know speaking in tongues is critical for me to do every day of my life since I got filled with the Holy and I've done that. And sometimes more at other times than other times. You know, sometimes I devote more time to it. But you ought to be praying in tongues every day. But he said after a period of speaking. So I think when he said a period, I'm thinking he didn't do it for 10 minutes probably. Now this is really important here. I'm going to read this is from, no, let's see. Yeah, the first one's from Pastor Nancy. It's faith. Now let's be careful. I'm talking about money. But if you don't understand this, it doesn't matter whatever else I say because it doesn't work. It's faith that makes the difference. If people aren't exercising, are not exercising faith, it won't help them to give money. Yeah. See, I put my faith with my money, and I put my faith with when I pray for the sick. I put my faith with things I pray every day for myself, my family, my children and grandchildren, and you and other special people. I put my faith with I don't just blur, you know, just start rattling off stuff and then say, well, God bless you and Leave the room. I mean, I'm serious about releasing my faith. I've learned to release my faith through the words of my mouth. That's how it has to come out, through your mouth. If you, you don't say it, you can't have it. That's why these guys, smart aleck guys, thought they knew faith, said, I'm a God-made millionaire, and I knew for a fact they could. I had to pay for their groceries. Unfortunately, they went to this church. They shouldn't have been that stupid to act like a nut. And I finally told him, don't be doing that on your phone. If you do, tell him I don't go to church on the rock, by the way. Because <laughs> I've taught you better than that. You're just yeah. ignorant. You're not paying attention to me. Right. Yeah. All right, I'm not mad at him. But, you know, if you're going to be silly and do stupid stuff and get blamed on me in the church yeah. that they think we taught you that, what's the matter with you? Right. All right. Pastor Nancy said, if people aren't exercising faith, it won't help them to give money. Giving money will never take the place of releasing faith. You've got two different things there. If I turn this pulpit like that, you'll really listen. No, you probably wonder why I did it. And it'll make you listen better. You have to make that decision before you got here tonight. I'm going to get something tonight. If you came with that attitude, I'm going to get something. Then you can get something. She said, people don't have to give money to gain victory. Victory already belongs to the believer, and it flows when faith is exercised. Give, but don't fail to release your faith, for it's faith that makes a difference. 
Mm -hmm. And this says unknown, whoever wrote this other thing here. If what you have, you won't give it, then you don't have it. It has you. <laughs> yeah, well, really good. These are all different kinds of people. Some of them say unknown, unknown. Some of them, they don't remember who said it, but. My, my spiritual father said, as long as you have seed, you have an opportunity to increase. Think of you, you know, you got to listen to God. You know, the people on the sidewalks that's got those signs up. And there's one in every city now. I mean, I don't know. And they trail some of them. They drive Mercedes. It doesn't bother me a bit, whatever they drive. But I've given money to those guys. And I followed one guy and had to turn around and find him because he disappeared. God said, I want you to give that man some money. The one that was just standing there, you passed by. So I went back and followed him. I kept going around the circle. I, I couldn't have went that far. He came out of a store somewhere, and I said, hey, I got something for you. Come here. And I gave him quite a bit of money. I, God told me to. Right. He said, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That might be what you think, but that's not what God told me. He said, remember, I read it a minute ago. You've got to learn to listen in here. Yes, that sir. wasn't my tithe. Right. Yes. I never took my tithe and sent it to my mother. Right. I gave my mother money of mine that I had that I could do that with. But I didn't rob God to do that. You know, the tithe isn't even yours. It's God. It belongs to God. Leviticus chapter 30. You can read it yourself. The tithe is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So if you take your tithe money and bought a car, that car is hot. You know, you're in problems. Or bought a piece of jewelry you just had to have, or a suit, or a dress, or whatever it was. We've got to be conscious of these things. Tithing always comes first. Yes. <laughs> it's the best part, the first part, and the first 10%. And not just of what our income would be like a paycheck, but anytime I get other stuff, I add that up and pay a tithe on it. Even the people that support me in my ministry, I take a tithe of that and put it in a separate account to bless preachers. And also to help this church some, some extra beyond what I'm already doing, which is tithes and offerings. Right. And I just start last month. Right. <laughs> Isn't that right, Donna? Yes. Not bragging about me, but, you know, if I hadn't stepped up, you wouldn't have any special meetings this year. At least not with Pastor Nancy and Pastor Debbie, because we paid for that. I paid for that. Right. Personally. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not trying to do my own horn. I'm trying to show you something. Would to God we had 20 people in this church that could step up at least once in their life, and there's one or two that have, but that's about it, and pay for the whole meeting up front. Then we really got a meeting going. We don't have to take out expenses. You know, they took care of that, feeding the people. The preachers that came, we tried to take the load off of them because they paid to come. They're in a hotel, and I'm not paying that normally, unless they're a speaker. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. All right, we've... I'm blabbing off a lot of things, but they're good. Let's go to Job 36. My son said to me the other day, Dad, you find so many good scriptures in Job. I said, that's because I'm looking for them. Because I've heard people downgrade Job from when I got saved, and I found out he was the richest man in the East until he got, he got in fear about his children. See, there's an area where, you know, God didn't strip him of anything. He stripped himself by his fear. He said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. Even the sickness doesn't come from God. Where would he have to get it? You know, if you're thinking sicknesses of God, I don't know where you want to go to heaven for it. Be full of sickness if that's what you think. There's no sickness in heaven. No death in heaven. All right. 
Job 36, verse 11 and 12. I just, this verse just stood out to me recently. If they obey and serve him, they're talking about serving God, they shall spend their days in prosperity. Not just a day, or like Pastor Morgan was saying, not just a one time and that's it, ongoingly. I'm looking for places to sow my seed. And when God says do that, I do it. Yeah, my wife and I, I know you, you just think I'm just blabbing to be blabbing. We have restaurant ministry. I still carry it on some. But when she was with me, she was as radical as I was. And we just bless those waitresses until, well, I want them fighting in the kitchen when they see me come in. I want Dr. Jacobs today. No, I want him. <laughs> Do you get that? Yeah. Or you come in to go, oh, it's cheap, cheapskates again. Right. He lays a track down in a quarter. If you do it, don't, say, don't print my church on that track. Would you not do that for me? I'm not that cheap, and I'm not that disobedient. How is that representing God? Well, the tracks have a way to get to the right people, but not like that. I can help you grow up if you'll let me. <laughs> Said they'll spend their days, plural, in prosperity, and their years in pleasures. But if they obey not, if they don't obey God and serve him, See, that's another thing. People come to a church. It's nothing wrong with being new to a church if you don't have a church. And I know there's lots of visitors here tonight. Some that I already met, this pastor over here said we'd met before. And I said, well, maybe we can go to lunch sometime in the future, you know, when I'm in town. And these folks back here, I, I knew one of the ladies. She said she saw me down at Pastor Brandon at Tiffany's church in Bowling Green. <laughs> anyway, see, if they obey not, they shall perish by the sword. That would really be by the word of God, too. And they shall die without knowledge. So it's important that we obey God, but we serve him, too. Yes. I'm serving him. Yes. I don't just hang out in the church. You know, of course, you know, I'm up preaching now. That's what I do. That's what I do with my life. I study and pray and stuff like that and do what I'm told best I know how. Yes. So, and but people can't just come and sit forever, like for three years and just never... I, offer to help us in some capacity. Right. I don't mean just in the time. I mean doing something at church that would help us. I know when the grass is growing out here, we got a big team that mows the grass when it needs it, and I appreciate that. It makes the church look uh, credible. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I like grass to be mowed when it's out of control. Yeah. All right, let me read a different translation. I, I taped it in my, in my Bible. Uh, if they listen and do as he says... Their days end in happiness, and their closing years are full of ease. Think about that. You get older, you're going to have to be full of ease. Yeah. And I went through, I was teaching on long life a while back somewhere. I don't know if it's here or not. It might have been a little bit. But a lot of things went with finances and getting older. I thought that was really nice. I like that thought. I'm 73. You know, when I was 18, I never thought about it. And you didn't either. Don't act so uppity with me. Turn to Psalm 78 a minute, verse 41. I'll show you something here because it's important to know who puts the limits on. I know sometimes you think God's in control. No, he's not in control. He's not in control down here. Now, he's not in control of me and you because we belong to Jesus. But Jesus is not the God of this world. That's the devil. But the Bible teaches new covenant now, 2 Corinthians, you know, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. 
You could read it yourself later. He blinds the minds of them that believe not. A lot of people don't believe in certain things that I teach, like healing. Well, if you're not going to get it from God, you have to get it from a doctor or medical or, or surgery. Or if you don't believe in anything, you don't have a place to turn to. Just your flesh. You know, your flesh is just like my flesh, but your flesh is weak. God's the one that's in you that makes you powerful. Let me read this verse to you. This is important to us. Psalm 78, 41 and verse, uh, yeah, verse 42 too. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Think about people are limiting God in what they think he can do. Are you listening to me? Yeah. I always put God first financially in my life. I've done that. I always put, tried to put him first in every area I could. You know what I mean? And sometimes my flesh fought me. Okay. Your flesh fights you too. Or we'd all be, you know, a lot further along in things. But it said they tempted God because they limited him. Well, my point in saying it is when it comes to finances and financial things and money, you're determining what you get, not God. He's not rewarding you because you're a good boy or girl. He's certainly not rewarding you because you're a bad boy or girl. How many know that? You step out of his plan for your life, and there's the devil waiting on you. And, that, and he has rights to because you violated God's word. There's just another target out there if you do that. Am I trying to scare you? No, I'm trying to talk some sense into you. Think about what you do before you do it or before you say it. Or how you respond to people. I've heard this saying all my life, all the preachers want your money. Well, it sure doesn't seem like I've had a lot of it. But I have a lot more now than I used to have that God's blessed me with. But still, I'm in the same position. I still tithe and give offerings and give big offerings to people that God tells me to give it to. Even if it's a guy in the street begging for money. He said, turn around and go give that guy some money. I don't mean just a dollar or two. You give him about $40 $50. Well, he's just going to go to the bar and get something. I don't know what he's going to do. It's none of your business. God told me to do it, and I want to obey him if he says do it. That's what I'm talking about. See, you can't figure it out in your head, and you'll limit God by doing that. I've had God do this to me several times in my life. He'd go, remember what you did four years ago for that guy? What thing? And he's telling me, yes. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing for you right now, because you did that back there. Nothing with my tithe is just over and above my tithe. <laughs> God puts all this together. He knows how to do that. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 1. Are you still here with me? We're talking about how to move ahead with God financially. And, we, and like I said, we have to start with the tithe, which is 10%. And we should be willing to do that without any problem. I wouldn't know why people would have a problem unless they were just selfish or covetous or narrow in their thinking. It's not all about you. When you get saved, it's, not, it's all about you from God's perspective. He's all about me. Yeah, I hope you understand what I'm saying. And he didn't get a prize when he got me because I told him some of the things. He said, I know all about you, Michael. You need to tell me nothing. But I want you to come to me and I'm going to straighten your life out. I was a full-blown drug addict at that time and drug dealer. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm going to come forward. I was in a youth meeting with 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old people. I was 20, 21, but I'd lived three lifetimes by then already with drug addiction and everything. 
And I got up and came to the front and prayed with the kid, the teenagers, prayed to God that he'd help me and come into my life and save me. The question that the preacher posed to me when I was there, and I went to church as a kid because my mom made me. Remember, I'm, I'm a, I was a Forrest Gump type of kid. I wore braces from the waist down for three years. And God healed me supernaturally. My mother made a covenant with God that he, she told him, I know it's not good to do this with God, but she was ignorant too at that time. But she got me healed. She said, if you'll heal my boy, I'll raise him in the church. And God healed me. Yeah. Amen. The, the head of the children's hospital in Dayton, Dr. Barney, he was my doctor. She took me in for a checkup after that angel appeared to me. When I was five years old, that would have been 1954. And about three or four weeks later, she took me to see Dr. Barney. He took the braces off and said, Joyce, I don't believe it. You got a miracle. I've checked him. He don't need these braces anymore. I don't understand it either. I don't think she said anything to him about that angel right then. You know, me and her had that vision together. That's the one I've had with other people. Anyway, I mean, Dr. Dufresne had some visions with me. What I mean, we saw into the spirit or something. But anyway, we're to ask you to turn Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 here. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now that's just as real as John 3, 16. So we need to be willing, listen to me carefully, and obedient. We be obedient to the degree we understand how to be obedient. How many know what I'm saying? You know, when my kids were little, and of course Jordan's only, you told me the other day, and I had it wrong, you're 35. 35, not 36. But one day on a Good Morning America like that, or a Disney show, there was a witch on there. She's a very good looking lady, dressed to max, I mean, had high heels and hose and very attractive lady, had her hair all fixed. I brought him in the living room and said, that lady right there is a witch, Jordan, because of what she's teaching. I heard her talk and she's a witch. I said, they don't come with pitchforks and brooms handles and all that kind of stuff. I'm just showing you. And you got to listen to the way people talk. Not the gifts of the spirit, but the gifts of the devil. <laughs> you know, mental stuff. Anyway, just interesting. And I try to teach my kids that. Yes, sir. You know, not just uh, bring them to church, but try to act like the church when I'm home. Yes. And teach them how to do the same. All right. So if you're willing and obedient, now, see if you're just willing, that would help. One time Brother Hagin said to the Lord, he quoted a scripture to God. God said, well, you don't, you don't qualify for it. He said, I don't. He said, you hit me a low brawl. What do you mean? He said, you, you've been obedient, but you've not been willing. And he said, don't tell me it takes a long time to get willing when God tells you that's why your finances are all messed up and you got two little children in your home and a wife. And uh, he said, it only took me a minute. I made a little adjustment internally. I'm willing now and you know it and the devil knows it. Let's go. Here we go. That's what he said to the Lord. And the Lord honored that because he was doing something where he was doing it resentfully, not, not willingly. Hallelujah. I mean, my government takes more out of my paycheck than God asked me for. And I'm not putting down America. I love it. It's a great country. You don't like it, move somewhere else. That's my attitude. Yeah. I've been a lot of other else's. And you'll be running home as quick as you can. But anyway, my point is that, you know, in the country you live in, you have to pay taxes normally. 
Well, I'm saying that God only asked me for 10, not 30% or whatever it is, or 33%. I don't know the exact number, but it's somewhere like that. I'm not stupid. Thank you so much. Are you still awake? Okay. So we've got to be willing. Just say, Father, I want, I'm willing. Say, Father, I'm willing. And I'm going to be obedient. Because I want to let you help me take care of me. Okay. You know, he'll take care of you if you do that. I remember when I first started out beyond the time... And I'd have a guest speaker. I could only buy him maybe a tie, and it wasn't even a nice tie. It was a nice, like a nice as I could afford. But now I get to buy people suits, and I've helped. I don't know. I think I counted thirteen vehicles that I helped preachers get all over the world. I either taught their church to take care of their pastor better and step it up, and uh, you know, and God just took care of it. I was in a guy's car in Honduras, and it's just a. A rattle trap, and he had two young children, had fumes in the back seat, about choked me and Dennis, had uh, held together with duct tape and bailing wire, and I went back to the hotel and prayed about it that day, and the Lord said, tell him you want to help him get a new car. So that night at dinner, I said, I, I got a proposition for you. God told me to help you get a new car. He said, well, how are you going to do that? I said, I'm going to preach to your people. You've got people in your church, got all kinds of money, you don't even know it. How long have you been in this church? 14 years. He's on a second story of a building, and when they all just danced and jumped up and down, the floor was vibrating with us. And I said, you got people who got money in your church, and I got money in my pocket. I got about 500 bucks. I'm going to put it in an offering for your car to start the thing. Then I'm going to tell the people that are business people, not just normal people, but they have a business, and they make income on that, to get together and let one of them that's the smartest figure it out and come to you and, you, and not tell you what kind of car they think you should get. And I told them not to do that. I said, let him figure out what he needs. And they bought him a brand new Toyota uh, 4Runner, I think it's called. One lady in his church owned half the city. I didn't know that. But God knew that. He said, there's money in this church, and they will help him get that vehicle. won't be a problem at all. And they paid for the whole thing. And I rescued his kids from having to breathe carbon monoxide or whatever comes out of tailpipes. It was not pleasant. All right. So the first thing I want you to know is, let's go to 3 John here. I say the first thing for the 20th time. If I need a scripture later, can you pull me one up back there if I need it? Like the classic Amplified, I don't need it for this scripture, but if you can, say yes. Okay, thank you. Would I ask you to turn? 3 John is where I wanted to go. And you know what it is? We know sometimes we know some things are in the Bible, but we don't believe it, or we don't know it enough to realize what God is saying to us here. Third John, we call him Little John because those are shorter books, but same John that wrote the book of Revelation and the Gospel of John. And he's an old, old man, probably over 100 right here when he wrote this. But he says in verse 2, it's only one chapter, Beloved, that's me and you, I wish, and that's a poor translation, it really says, I pray or I will, above all things, that you may as prosper. And you know, I looked that up in the, in the Greek New Testament. I looked it up in 14 other translations. And guess what it means? Prosper. Financially prosper. Physically prosper. I pray that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's the way John says it. Uh, uh, Paul said, as your mind is renewed. I like that better, but it's the same terminology as your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions are prospering through the Word of God. 
What did it just say? God wants you to what? Prosper. And be in health. Not be sickly your whole life. You know, we're not putting that down. I mean, but God doesn't make you sick. He doesn't have sickness to put on people. He'd have to steal it from the devil. And then he'd be the devil. He's the thief, the devil. But I'm, I'm saying this, this one scripture here, you need to meditate on this until it rings in your spirit clearly. God wants to be involved in my money and he wants to help me with my finances. I don't say I have any money hid out in the Cayman Islands if you're wondering. I just live my, by faith and do what God tells me to do. And, and sometimes, you know, I'd like to tell more of that, but I know people interpret things wrong, and then you miss what I'm saying sometimes. But here is Jesus, or God, talking to us through the Apostle John, I should say, that he wants us to prosper. God wants me to prosper. See, you need to think like that and talk like that. God, you're prospering me, and, I'm, and I put down, you must know inwardly that God wants to prosper you. And, you know, I've taken the slack over everything you can imagine in the, in the body. I mean, in the Bible, that since I became saved, I left my denomination because they wanted to criticize me about speaking in tongues and praying for the sick. And I showed them in their own, their own material that it, that's what we said we believe. What's wrong with this then? We didn't mean that. We, then you shouldn't have wrote it. I'm not mad at you, but you're sure angry with me. All right. I'll let that drop. But I stood up for what I believed all through my life. Left my denomination, left other churches for different reasons because God told me to. I was done there. But I never ran out on people. I just did what God told me to do. It's a difference. But God prospered me. <laughs> you know, I went from having an income per week to going to zero in one week. <laughs> okay. Because I did what God told me. All right. So God wants to prosper me, and he's not going to do it unethically. He's not going to make you a crazy person that acts crazy and got some kind of wild scheme, you know, in your head that you think you're going to be made rich over. Now, if you really had one, you should go get, um, get it with somebody that helps help you create that if you really wanted to. But normally, you know, if it's God, then he could help you. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. So... God wants to prosper us, and he wants us to be in health. And it takes time to do renew our mind to these things. But what I was going to say about money, I mean, I have never taken as much flack from the church as I did when I bought a nice car. Nobody said deadly squat to me about traveling all over the world at my own expense on 120 mission trips or more. And I have to pay for it all myself. Nobody commended me for any of that. They just were mad at me that I had a nice car. Now, I'm just sharing you what the body of Christ is like in their head. They're mean. And when it comes to money, man, I don't know what people are thinking. I don't even trust them anymore. Don't know what they're thinking. Even some of my friends, I'm not sure about them. You know, I just do what I'm told, try to do the best of that, and if I miss it, I say, Father, I'm sorry, I repent, and I back up and get straightened out with him. So I'm moving forward in right standing with him. I'm not trying to hold him up, and I'm not trying to get money out of God. I'm not trying to use him. He's the one that brought this up. Everything I'm teaching you come right out of the Bible, or I wouldn't be teaching it. 
I'm not a heretic. Okay. You know, I got that many notes on this, and I just brought this little thing for you. That's it. <laughs> We're not even going to get through that, but, but I'm doing my best. All right. Now, let's talk about something here for just a minute here. Uh, let's realize that we need to tithe. We said that already. And let's go over to Galatians really quick. Galatians chapter 3, I think it is. Yep. Galatians in the New Covenant. Galatians, one of these small books, only six chapters. And we want to go over to Galatians chapter 3 a minute and look at something. And it's, it relates to being redeemed out of poverty. See, I found that people sometimes can have money. I mean, just today I was thinking about a man. I know he makes 250000 a year or more. Yeah. <laughs> and he's flying the cheapest airline he can fly. Wow. See, I don't think like that. I got that broke off of me, that poverty spirit. And especially with men. Some of you guys are just... Wow. If it's not a blue light special, you ain't going to do it. I feel sorry for your wives. I do, because some men are just like that. They're so arrogant, and if they don't get a deal, that's, it's an overdeal. I just do what I'm told, do what God tells me I can do, and he provides. That's all I can tell you. I don't do strange things either. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. I know how men think I'm a man myself. But that's one area where my wife, I don't know where she got that, but she, when we made that decision that day in that car to give $4 to God as a tithe. Now, we, we maybe gave him a tip. Some, You know, we might have been in church and threw a five in or ten in. I don't even remember back then. But I remember having a discussion with her in the vehicle. And I said, you know, Jesus has changed my life, honey. I think he deserves not only the tithe, he deserves all of it. He only asked us for 10%. That's when I was getting started. She said, well, that'd just be $4 because that's what we're getting, you know, from unemployment right now. Of course, I went on to make a lot more money in carpentry school, you know, but I didn't make it to journeyman because he called me in the ministry. And I only had a half a year to finish. And the Lord said, I want you in Kentucky. I want you to go to seminary down there. Okay. Then, you know, I had this thought and my friends had the thought before I did to keep my tools. The Lord said, I didn't tell you to keep those tools. You sell those tools. You live by faith, Michael. Yes, sir. My father-in-law thought I'd lost my mind. He told me that to my face. I think you're crazy as, what, what's happening to you? I said, what do you mean what's happening? Well, you're, going to, you're taking, this is what he said, I'm taking, I'm, you're taking my daughter down to Louisville. Do you even have a job? No. Does she have a job? No. I said, God spoke to me. Oh, that hit him. <laughs> he said, God spoke to you? I said, yeah, God spoke to me just like you're talking to me right now. Oh, he said, I know you're crazy now. <laughs> well, maybe I know something you don't know, Billy. You're a scientist. He had a PhD in metallurgy. He's in Who's Who's of America. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got the book at home. He's a very intelligent man. I said, you're a scientific person. I'm not. Yeah. So don't make fun of me because I said God told me. And furthermore, this is my wife. She's not your daughter. She's my wife. Now, that's number one priority for her. She's married to me. And if you think I would do anything to endanger her, then you're the one that's crazy. Right. Because you ought to know I love your daughter. Well, I guess you do, but I don't understand you. I said, well, you don't have to understand me. You don't even have to agree with me. You just have to be sweet. How about that? Well, I think you're crazy. I said, well, see what I mean? 
Then just a few months before he passed away, he called me on the phone and said, Michael, I said, yeah. I said, this is Lee. I said, hi, Lee, how you doing? It's my father-in-law. He said, you know that time we had that argument down in the barn? I said, well, you were having an argument. I wasn't. <laughs> he said, you know, I was wrong. I, th I see where you're right now. I don't think he had that experience, but he saw through me what I had done right. because I said I did what God wanted me to do. Right. I didn't even want to come to Louisville. I wanted to go to Florida. Right. Not to get a suntan either. <laughs> I can tell a joke, but it's not funny really, so I'll just let it go. Okay, uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, and we'll stay in this chapter for a few more minutes, but Christ has redeemed us, Galatians 3, 13, Christ, Jesus Christ has redeemed us or delivered us, we could say, from the curse of the law. And you find the curse back in Deuteronomy 28. I'm not turning back there. I'm giving you that as a reference. Go home before you go to bed and read that. It's a pretty long chapter, 60 or 70 verses, but it names everything that cripples human beings. You marry a woman, she runs off with somebody. You have children, they, they get removed. You can't think right. Your mind's a mess. You're fearful all the time. You're confused all the time. See, all of that, and you're broke all the time. That's part of the curse. And specifically here, when you go back and read it, there's a lot written about not having enough money. And why, why it's going to be tough on you because you haven't put him first. You didn't even realize that he'd redeemed you from that. I don't know, you know, people kind of think funny, and I thought funny too, but I changed my mind because I got in my Bible and stayed with it until I figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus didn't come take me to heaven. He came to put heaven in me right now. That's what I mean. I'm a joint heir with Christ now. I don't have to die to be that. He died so I could be that right now. Hey, are anybody listening? Oh, up to what you got. You're an inheritance. You're, you have the same inheritance Jesus has. I didn't say it. He said it. And we're joint heirs with him. We're not sub anything. We're not a sub something. I don't know what people think. They're just crazy the way they think. And God didn't as big as he is to me. Because I read my Bible. And if I don't believe it, which sometimes I've had a hard time, I just stay and read it again and again and again and again. And the next day and the next month and the next year, the next decade, the next decade, the next decade. I'm on my fifth decade. Still read my Bible. Still fired up for God. Still hate the devil. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate people that are of the devil, but they're not nice people. But they try to offer them salvation if they want it. You have to want it to take it. You know, I don't know about you. I just got tired of sticking a needle in my arm and just being a junkie. Well, I just, my drug was speed, methadrine. I didn't like heroin. It made me too sick. But I was just a drug addict. Drug addicts act like drug addicts. They don't act like you because you got, you got higher in a couple of joints one day. That's not what I'm talking about. That's play with it stuff. Get real now. My wife said she's a drug addict. I said, honey, you've never been an addict. I know you. You play with it, girl. How many are listening to me? I'm not putting her down for that, but don't try to act like you're an addict like I was because you're not. All right. So it says here, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That was Jesus did that for us. That the blessing of Abraham. So whatever's connected to Abraham, we have that. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's us. That we're not Jewish people, but Gentiles or heathens or sinners. Any of the above would fit there. 
through Jesus Christ. It comes on us because we get into Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, the promise that God told Abraham. He, he told Abraham, get up out of there and go to this other place. And the Bible says he was not just rich, he was greatly rich. And when he died as an old, old man, he said God had prospered him in everything he did. Think about that. And he wasn't selfish when his stingy nephew, Lot, right guy, said, well, I, I, I want a different piece of the land. Well, take what you want. If you take the right, I'll take the left. You take the left, I'll take the right. What more could he say about a guy like that? I say he's got integrity and he knew who prospered him. It wasn't Lot. It was God. And he knew whatever he had when God on it, it would be blessed. Lots of one thought it was greener over there. But you know what's greener on the other side of that, that fence? Cow patties. You know, some people, they smell like that. And you get around them. What have they been doing? Anyway, I, I know that was a joke. It didn't go over too good, but that's okay. Let's go to the same chapter, verse 28 and 29. Look at this here real quick. And Lot just took his family out and all that because he sinned against God and chose the right, wrong place to live. How many are listening? Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. But if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. See, you're still connected to him and heirs according to the promise. God blessed him and made him rich, and he did a lot of things. It wasn't just about the money, though. He had a heart for God because he wouldn't have done that with Lot. He said, no, I'm not going to give you. That's the better ground. I, I want that. But he said, you just pick whatever you want, whatever's left, I'll take. You know, really some problems there with Lot. He should have fired the guy that got the argument started with Abraham's herdsman and sold some cattle or something. He didn't realize that he was being made rich because he was connected to somebody. That's the way it is in the church if you really want to know the truth. Your money's going to help you some, but when you let Jordan be your pastor and really receive him as a pastor, your prosperity is connected to your man of God in the church you go to. You got a chapter and verse? I got all kinds of verses. You just don't have time for me to give them all to you. Right. Jeremiah is one of them. Jeremiah 3, 15. Jeremiah, you know, 23, 1 through 4. All talks about that there. Being connected to the right person in the right church. Because you're not going to get ahead of the pastor. I mean, in a local church, you know. All right, praise the Lord. So we're seeing here that we're redeemed from poverty. Deuteronomy 28 still hanging back in the Old Testament. But you go home tonight and maybe start reading it and maybe read it all week. There's about 70 or 80 verses in there. But it gets up to verse 60 or 61 and says, In every sickness and every disease and every catastrophe, whether it's written in this Bible or not, is still under the curse. And Jesus redeemed us. He scooped us out of that curse and blessed us with riches. He, he, he made us wealthy. Are you seeing what I'm saying? He healed our bodies. He paid the price for spiritual death, which, you know, means you're not alive to God. You can't be if they hadn't provided that escape route. All right. So we're talking about some things here. Let me see here where I want to go to. Let me talk to you about something interesting here that I thought was really. I went to Russia um, one, two, three, four times. Well, three times I went to Siberia. And one time I went to St. Petersburg and I was in St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, 
I was in St. Petersburg, Russia, and we, I was with Dr. Dufresne. There was about eight or ten of us preachers, and we were coming. The, the preaching was done in where Lenin used to preach. It used to be called Leningrad because Lenin was a, you know, he was a communist guy, socialist guy, communist guy. Anyway, it was up on the second or third floor, a big auditorium. It was very nice, too. And we were coming down the big steps. There were probably steps 12 feet wide, all our group, about 10 of us. And all of a sudden, Ike, I didn't know he was having a vision. Ike is a preacher that has a church in Nigeria, and he's associated with Jay Everly and Debbie Everly. And yeah. where's he at? Iowa. Yeah, in Iowa. And, but he come down the stairs with us, and he, he came downstairs. He didn't say anything until we all got in that green room, and he said, I saw Jesus hanging in the air right there, and he was crying. Ike was telling us that, and I know him personally. He's a good man. He's integrous. And he, this is what he said. Jesus said to him, uh, they are not getting their needs met because of worry. This is the reason my people don't get their needs met because of worry. Now, see, that don't make any sense to you, but Jesus told us that, yeah. our group. And Dr. Dufresne went on to say, we got an impartation that day, and it'll be different in our mantles or the anointings on us that was in that trip. That we, I didn't see Jesus. I saw him, but I trusted what he saw. He said, yeah. and Jesus was concerned about us because he said, my people worry all the time. That's why their needs are never met. So you could give your money here, and you could say a few words, but then if you're worrying all the time in your head about everything else, that's going to shut it down. I'm just trying to help you. I didn't read this in a book. This is my life. <laughs> For the last 50 years. And then Dr. Dufresne finally said down here, some things just can't be said in a crowd. Anyway, pretty powerful. I'm not going to worry about nothing. I made my mind up a long time ago. I told my wife one day, I don't care if so-and-so leaves us. I'm still serving Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yep. And I don't care who I bury. I'm still going to worship Jesus. I'm going to go on to heaven if that's what I need to do. But I'm not going to let that destroy me. Yeah. You know, I had to bury some people I dearly loved the last five years. If you were with me or you know anything about it, you know a little bit about it. You don't know the whole story, I'm sure. But I just have to move on. My calling's still secure in God. I mean, the devil tried to talk me out of it right there when my wife passed away. I was standing by her bedside. And then the Lord interrupted, said, told him to shut up, which I was glad he did. I was going to tell him if he didn't, tell the devil to shut up, talking to me crazy. But he said, you promised me, Michael, when you were 38 years old, that you would stay in the earth until you finish what you said I was calling you to do. And I said, yeah, and I meant it too. And he said, I'm going to hold you to it too. So get that stuff out of your brain. I said, I repent and I'm connected to you. And he said, how many times have you stood on my word to put me to the test? I said, I can't even count it. On and on and on. Every verse I looked at that had some light in it that grabbed me, I would say, I'm believing for that, Father. I'm believing what you said right here. That's going to keep me. And then he turned it around, swapped, put me under the microscope. You said this to me, and I'm going to hold you to it. Right. Of course, you could disobey me, but are you big enough to a answer me for that? And I said, yeah, I'm big enough, and I will. And I will stay in the earth until you're through with me. Yeah. Then, I, then I got rough on the devil. I didn't cuss him out, but I told him what I thought. 
and told him to get his stuff and get out of the room there. And he left in a hurry. All right. So let's go back here a minute here to uh, Proverbs a minute. Let me just get this scripture taught and then maybe we'll... I'm not going to lay hands on you tonight for, for you to be promoted. You have to do what I just taught you if you're going to be promoted. And even sometimes I tried to promote people that shouldn't have been promoted, and they stabbed me in the back. That showed me God didn't really promote them. I just promoted them. You can quit anytime you want, but I don't, where would you go? I'm not talking about me and you. I'm talking about the Bible. Where would I go? I, I got no place to run to other than the Bible. I've lived like this for 50 years. I trained myself to live like this, trained myself to think like this. So I probably don't think like every Tom, Dick, and Harry. I'm different. Not bragging about it. I'm just different. Yeah. Yeah. And when I'm with people and they're talking, I can tell where they're at too. They're just talking to you, not mad at anybody. But Proverbs chapter 3 is what I want to read here, I think, in conclusion. I was going to talk about angels, but I'm out of time. I can tell you just in my, with my verbiage in just a minute about the angels, but Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with thy substance. And what he calls the substance there, he means the stuff you have or the finances you have or whatever you have. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. The first fruit is a Bible word that means tithes. It's always going with tithes. First fruits is always the tithe because it's the first part you take off the top. Are you listening to me? So I'm honoring God. I'm not just giving him some money. He don't need my money, but I'm honoring him out of my connection with him because I know that it's God, Deuteronomy 8.18, if you want to write it down, it's God who gives me the power to have wealth. Not you. You know, if you do your part here, you know, that's a good thought because you're helping pay for the staff and for the building, whatever we owe on it yet and all that. But see what I'm saying? I'm, we trust God to put us over and we're honoring God with our substance. There's honor involved with this when we do that. And, you know, I always tell people, if you've made bad decisions, which all of us have made a few in our lifetime, I'm going to be first to say that. And I know you could say it, too, unless you're not honest. You haven't done everything perfect, have you? Anybody done everything perfect? Raise your hand. I'll, I'll cast that lying spirit out of you. No, you didn't do everything perfect. But the point I'm making is we have to trust God and honor him with our giving. See, that's what he's saying. Honor me with the, with the first fruits at, out of all your substance. Give me first place in that. Are you listening to me? Yeah. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. He's not talking about drinking alcohol. He's just talking about the things that they had their hands in where they did make um, fruit juice and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, they had liquor back then, too, but that's not what that's talking about there. I did a long study on wine and all that, and I haven't got time to teach you on that. But, in other words, your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. In other words, you'll have abundance in your house eventually. Because you honored the Lord with the first fruits and everything you had, you honored him in that. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
You know you're the only person that can determine what you get from God? Just you. Yeah, just you. You're the only one. And the devil will give you a shovel to dig up your seed if you want. When you start saying, well, I did this one time. I gave a big offering, didn't get anything. How do you know you didn't get anything? Are you sure you didn't get anything? Or did you start talking negatively in the next 24 hours and you shut that down? See, I told you earlier, tithing involves words. Where do you base that at? Deuteronomy 26, first 10 verses. Deuteronomy 26, read it when you get home. I'll go to the high priest of that day and I'll say, I was over here in this and then God redeemed me over into Israel and over into, and gave me this land and gave me my, my crops and, and I'm bringing a, a fruit, an offering of fruit or corn or whatever they were raising over there to bring to the house of God to say, God, I honor you because you provided for my family. Yes. Yes. I'm honoring you with my substance. We're not that kind of people anymore. We're not all agricultural people. But we have money in exchange for our time, our body, our labor, our efforts, our brains, all the things that people do, different things, you know. But we're the only one person that determines what you get. You know, Galatians 6 says, you know, you reap what you sow. Now, that's sometimes in your words, too, but also in whatever you give. I'm going to reap what I've sowed. I have I'm a tithe. I give offerings. I'm over in another realm now. I'm over in that, what's it called? Distributor. I tell you how much money, but then you'd think I'm rich. But that's not my money. That's still God's money. All my money is God's money in my head and in my heart. He says, write a check for the whole thing. Just give it. Well, then I do that. What are you going to do if it don't come in? I'm not going to do, I'm not going to be ignorant and think it's not coming in. I'm going to know, man, God's supposed to be doing something major here. <laughs> yeah. So we honor the Lord. That's what I want to put you over with. It's an honor because it comes from our heart. We honor God with our giving. Even in the Bible there, when they went to see the priest of that day, they always brought an offering. You know, just to honor God and honor the priest. He didn't charge him. Okay, let's see. You owe me $150. No. I never, cost, I never charge anybody anything for what I do. If I prophesy over somebody and they get rich out of that, which I've had some of my sons get pretty big time. I don't know if you, one of my pastors was sitting here one time, and Diana, my wife, got up. I could tell from looking in her eyes she's got a tongue, and I can interpret it. I already knew that. So I followed her over here, and she said something to one of my sons, and I said, I don't know if I should say that or not. Said, Somebody's going to give you a check for over $100,000. It's coming pretty soon. And he called me when I was in California. It was way early out there when he called me. I said, I hope this is important. Yeah, it is. Somebody came down last night when I was eating my hamburger and put down a check for $150,000, a cashier's check. I said, well, then it didn't bounce, did it? Right, praise God. He said, yeah, but you told me not to be shocked, but I couldn't finish my hamburger. Okay, praise God. So let's, let's go, go back here to Job a minute. I'm going to end with this verse because it's a good verse to end with. Job 32, verse 20. I've got so much mileage out of these verses in Job, and I've tried to explain the other ones where people would understand it. But if you want to thank Job as the beat-up boy for God, then you can go ahead, but you're not going to preach that around me. I'll walk away from you if you talk like that. No, Job was, he was messed up about his kids. There's probably some families in here that are like that. 
unless you're renewing your mind to the Word. You get concerned overly about your children, and like Job did, he started to make sacrifices, but he didn't stop with one. He just kept making them because he never got it settled that God would take care of his children. All right. Job 32, verse 20. I love this verse. Let me read it to you. I will speak that I may be refreshed. Well, how about refreshed in finances? Father, I thank you for providing for me and that I have a supply. I'm an honest man and I, I tithe to you and give offerings to you, to your house and to many other preachers and different things like that to just help them in their journey. You know why I do that? Because I had five preachers that told me they were going to give me money when I started this church. Not a one of them gave me a dime. They all lied to me. They were all my friends. Friends are liars too. You can try to interpret that any way you want. I'm telling you the truth. Why would I lie about it? They're not even on the planet anymore, some of them. I'm not mad about it, but why would you tell me you're going to help me and then not lift a finger to do anything? I'd rather people just not tell me nothing, just do something, surprise me. But when people act like their heart's in it, and, oh, I love you, Dr. Jacobs, I'm going to send you some money to help with this new church, this new project. Well, I appreciate it because I, <laughs> I don't have any money other than what paying for the rent on the building. But, you know, we're just talking about some things. Don't say things you don't do. Don't do that. After a while, you lose, you lose faith in when you quote the word. You're saying the word, but you don't even believe what you're saying. Yeah. You're training yourself to lie to yourself. So I think this verse would fit here. I could say, Father, refresh me financially. See, I don't know where your heads are at. I'm going to tell you where mine's at. I'm in a move of God with myself and a few people here and there that I know that are moving that direction. But for the whole body of Christ, I don't know where they're at. And I'm just going to move on. Whether they move with me or stay behind, that's their, your decision. But I'm going to move this way because God's doing something really special right now. And I'm telling you, the money... It's going to break. It's going to break in our country for us. It's going to break in the church for us. It's going to break in our personal lives for us because I believe the Bible. And this is a t different time and season we're coming into. Hallelujah. I will speak that I may be refreshed. Now, I wanted to stop with, I didn't even give my examples here, some of it. <laughs> okay, that's to pray for Liz. And I'm going to pray for you, Thomas, and anybody else in a minute. But let me get over this financial thing uh, for prosperity. This is what Brother Hagin said. He was praying one day, and the Lord said, why don't you quit praying like that? It's not working. Well, that's what he said. That's what Brother Hagin said. It wasn't working. So this is the way he prays now. Devil, get your hands off my money. Number two, I release the ministering spirits, and I put here in parentheses the angels, to help bring my money to me, you'll influence people. You'll influence people. That's the way I pray now. And you can figure out how much you need next year. I mean, we're coming to the end of this year, aren't we? I mean, it's like tomorrow's the last day, right? You could get an idea or a ballpark. And you could up it a little bit if you think that you're going to be faithful to do what I've taught you here. You're going to have to work on not worrying. Have to work on saying words with your giving. And then you have to be honest to be a tither and take 10% of your income and give to the house of God. Not this church, unless you go here, then it'd be normal to me expect you to do that here. I'm not trying to get anybody to do anything you don't want to do. Just get that out of your head. I'm not trying to force something on anybody. The only person I'm going to force is the devil. 
and I'm going to write him like a bad habit. I'm telling you, I won't fool with him. I'll go after him. So you have to say, devil, get your hands off my money. This is the way Brother Hagin taught it about praying. And I released the ministering spirits. I was going to teach you on angels. I had a whole section down here, this last section, but I've run out of time. Uh, and they'll help bring the finance. Now, they don't steal money and bring it in an envelope and it's got nobody's name on it. They're not that stupid. But they influence people to help you. I would name the guy's name, but I'm not going to do that because he was such a good giver here. He was only here three times. That year he came, he gave more than anybody in my church gave to my church. $43,600 the first check I received. It was stuck up in the door in the front of the church. We came back to have Sunday night. Somebody found that envelope, put it under Donna's door, and Diana went up front. She didn't know it was up there either. She just went in there and found an envelope addressed to us, opened it up, and had a check in it from this man for $43,600. That's some good chicken feed there. Come on now. And then he came back the next Sunday and gave $12,500. I only needed thirteen. And another lady was here whose mother was 90-some years old and had Alzheimer's. It was a retired Nazareth, Nazarene lady. She didn't know any of her children. She came to her senses when her daughter was there that was in my service. I'd never met her before either, the lady or the other daughter. She said, when you were up there talking about that, God told me to get... She said she, said she came out of her stupor and called me by my first name. She never did that anymore. She's too... with uh, dementia and what's that other... Alzheimer's. Called me by name and said, make sure you tithe on my money. So when I was here this morning, you were talking about needing money to help take care of something here. I wrote a check for 500 So that visitor and that other visitor, they took care of the 13000 Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> yeah. Then he called me one time at Christmas and said, you got poor people in your church? I said, of course I got poor people in my church. Not everybody. But there are people that need help. Well, I got $5,000 cash. Can you meet me at church in 30 minutes? I said, yeah, I can. He pulled up right up front, got out, came in the foyer with me, handed me an envelope. There's $5,000 there. I gave it to my wife and to Donna, and they sat down and figured out who needed the most help that Christmas, and we gave the money to the, divided it up through families. I'd like to have a guy like that come back a little bit. Come on now. <laughs> See, I'm not in it for the money, but I, we had built this extension onto our sanctuary. This sanctuary had been a lot shorter. I think from that beam, that was the back wall at one time. That beam and that. But we got in, in the rears on our payment and stuff. And, you know, I called the guy that gave me the drywall to drywall this room because it's uh, fire-treated drywall. It's a special rating on it. It's more expensive than regular drywall. And I owed him 34000 Never forget it. I think I sent him 17, and I, and I called him because he had a deadline on me. And I said, I'd like to speak to Mr. So-and-so. I think he's the president. Is he there? This is Dr. Jacobs from Church on the Rock, New Albany. Yes, sir, how can I help you? I said, sir, I, I am not a cheap preacher. I'm going to pay you for, for what you did. You sold me this drywall. Uh, and the reason I did that, it was 34000 versus a sprinkler system. If I didn't do the drywall, I got sprinkler. And it was over hundred grand to do that. You know, that's just our government. They got it all figured out. But anyway, I'm going to let that drop. <laughs> I'm going to quit talking. You guys have endured enough for tonight. So 
What are you going to do? We're going to, we're going to start saying, devil, get your hands off my money. And I release the ministering spirits, the angels of God. I have a book on it. We don't have a bookstore anymore. I, you could get one, but anyway, you're in charge of the angels that work with you. That's all I'm telling you. God's not. He wouldn't have given back to us. He's got plenty of angels up there. Hallelujah. So I hope this helped you some. There's a lot to learn about it, but just I, it'd be led of the Spirit, too, every day. Just pray and say, Father, I want to be obedient to you today. I'll be obedient to you today. Okay, so stand up with me, please. Thank you. Oh, I knew it was going to be like this, kind of, because I had so much in me, but we let half of it go already, too. You can be anything you want to be. You can be anything you want to be if you really want it. And you do it God's way. I don't know anybody has as good a system as his. I'm not against banks. I'm not against loaning uh, institutions that loan money and stuff. But I'm out of debt, so I don't need to do that. I wasn't always out of debt, but I got there eventually. I just wouldn't quit. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.